What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Growing green to generate more green. Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Grow Show with your host, multi-award winning grow master and respected cannabis consultant, Kyle Cushman. Hello and welcome to all you cannabophiles and slightly wonky but totally sick of being marginalized happy hamsters. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com and I'm your host Kyle Cushman. You know, today we have a slightly serious subject. PTSD and cannabis use is covered extensively in the media. However, out of 23 states that have legalized marijuana for medicinal use, only five include PTSD as a qualifying condition, and I think this is a major problem. And many people don't realize there's a huge group of people out there who can and do benefit from the medicinal use of marijuana who are non-military related trauma survivors. You know, heroes aren't always in uniform. This group of people are often diagnosed with an alternative version of PTSD, commonly referred to as complex PTSD. Made up of mostly women, they're survivors of sexual violence, childhood adversity, and other traumatic experiences. In the case of our very special guest today, she had a childhood in which she had only herself to depend on to survive. In addition to being a wife and mother, Diane Fornbacher is the founder and publisher of Ladybud Magazine, a normal board member who's also a recipient of the prestigious Pauline Sabin Award. She's co-founder of the Normal Women's Alliance and a member of the Board of Coalition for Medical Marijuana New Jersey. She's been fighting for the right to use cannabis for over 20 years and a very special friend. Welcome to the show, Diane. Hi there, guys. Thank you. How are you today? I'm doing okay. I'm just wrapping up some editing stuff for the site for next week. Well, I know you're always busy, and I'm really, really glad that you made some time to be with us today. This is a really important topic. People talk about PTSD, and it always seems to be related to veterans, which is a very important topic as well. But I wanted to bring you on as you're very familiar with this subject. And first, I want to ask you, how is complex PTSD different from PTSD? What makes it complex? Well, I know the delineation is difficult because anyone who has PTSD will tell you that in and of itself, having that diagnosis is a complex way to live. But technically speaking, the definition differentiates between complex PTSD and PTSD. PTSD is usually incidental, which means um, typically if a traumatic event happens to a person, say, once, but it's a big deal, there's, there's not, it's difficult to live with, but there's hope that they can, you know, use different modalities for healing and eventually be able to function in a normal society. Complex PTSD typically means more than one incident and usually for a prolonged exposure to the trauma, such as being held captive, being victimized for a prolonged amount of time without hope of escape, i.e. a lot of children who abuses 
uh, households will be diagnosed eventually with complex PTSD because they're usually the victims of a lot of different kinds of abuse within a several-year period and not able to get out of that house because they're a child or a ward of their parents for the most part. Or, you know, say someone has, has gotten kidnapped and they, they were, you know, in their kidnapper's custody for quite some time or, you know, held over a few days and a lot of bad things happened to them. I get it. That's a that's a really good definition, and that really, really um, explains it very well. When it comes to cannabis and PTSD, most discussion centers around veterans and military-related post-traumatic stress disorder. Why do you think the discussion about PTSD ha- hasn't been widely expanded to include those who aren't veterans? Well, in the cannabis community and in, in, in typical human populations, we sort of hold up people who are in the military as heroes, and it's not to say that is undeserved, but it's not clear across the board for everyone who's involved with the military. And I say this as a child of two military parents, so I'm not saying that, that you know, veterans shouldn't have, you know, diagnoses with PTSD and, you know, have a lot of media attention because, as you said, it is important. But I think it's harder for people to focus on other diagnoses for PTSD or complex PTSD as it pertains to sexual abuse or violence because it's a difficult subject and it hits a lot closer to home for many people is, is my belief. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people avoid it. It's, it's harder for them to ascribe, you know, sort of heroic properties to someone who identifies as a person who has been a victim of those um, terrible things. That's just my my view on it. I mean, I don't know that we there is a specific answer for it, but, but that's my impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very important that we discuss it, whether it's for veterans or, or as people as a whole. It can be extremely debilitating. I know several people with this problem. In addition to yourself, when did you first start to realize you could use cannabis as a treatment for your complex PTSD symptoms? Well, it was when I was in college. I mean, I had I had smoked pot only a few times when I was in high school, and but my dad smoked pot, and he asked me to smoke with him and my uncle, and that was just weird, so it didn't help me then. It was just weird and kind of stressful, so I, I don't think it really helped me because the company I was keeping was, was kind of horrible, but... <laughs> When I was in college, I I was finally alone. I had gone to college my freshman year from a jump point of being a foster child my senior year in high school. So while I had never quite ever been alone in company with people, when I was in college, I actually was for the first time in my, my life alone. And I tried my best to elevate myself above my prior circumstances as a child and go to college, a few scholarships and a, and a few loans and you know, at one point I just couldn't do it anymore and I, I didn't know what that was. Do you know what I mean? I, I know that I wanted to succeed and I know that I wanted to have a better life and yet here I was stuck. I, I was unable to get out of bed most of the days of the week. I started having a hard time being around people or hearing them. There's a lot of hypervigilance, which means, you know, like sudden sounds that would just mildly startle a person would set me off into a tailspin of like a 48-hour panic attack, mm. you know, because when you have PTSD or complex PTSD, hypervigilance is a big problem because it could be anything that sets you off, you know, and bright lights, loud, loud sounds, colors even, someone sneezing and you didn't, weren't looking at them when it happened, so it startled you. And it, it's really kind of, it's really a helpless feeling. So when I stopped going to classes, a few friends did notice because I, I can, I have learned in my life to be gregarious and charismatic as a defense mechanism. It's not by nature that I'm actually like that, but they did notice that I wasn't around anymore. 
So a friend of mine, I refused to answer my phone. I refused to answer the door. I was in the dark. My roommate moved out because I was freaking her out. And a friend of mine, you know, just put a note under the door and there was a joint. She's like, I know you don't smoke a lot of pot. I know that you don't have insurance, but, you know, this helps my mom. She has a lot of same kind of issues you have told me about. So, you know, you don't need to talk to me, but just, you know, try this out and listen to some cool music and, and see if it helps you. And I'd never really looked at it that way. You know what I mean? I hadn't done any research. Most of it was not even an emerging research anyway at that point in the mid-90s. So I I did. I was like, well, what can what what do I have to lose? You know, you know, I smoked half that joint. It was pretty heavy. You know, it was time of the chronic, so <laughs> 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 the uh, the brick weed. And, you know, I was pretty blazed. And I started listening to Pink Floyd Division Bell album. And anyone's familiar with that knows it's a really introspective, but a hopeful acknowledgement of despair is the best way I can put that album. And, and that was when I realized it could help me. And, you know, a lot of the symptoms of PTSD include concentric mental diagnosis, such as depression, panic, anxiety. They're all a mishmash that are thrown on your plate if you have PTSD. And that helped me. And I've pretty much been using cannabis ever since. You know, you, you have such a wonderful, unique outlook on life. That's why I always enjoy talking to you so much. One of the reasons why I enjoy talking to you so much Tell me, how has using cannabis to treat your PTS symptoms changed your life physically, mentally, socially? Well, number one, I just want to say that cannabis can't cure PTSD. That, that, that is something that it cannot do. It, it, it requires a lot of hard work, but it can mitigate most of the symptoms so you can clear a lot of the garbage and distraction out so you can focus a little bit more on getting better. You know, so if I have, you know, a PRN is usually known in the vernacular medical community as an as-needed basis, on an as-needed basis. So say you're a diabetic or an asthmatic, you need insulin or you need an inhaler. For me, when I start having anxiety or dark thoughts, for the most part, cannabis can distract me from that. It can, you know, sort of strip away the anxiety and pull me back and ground me with myself. A lot of people with PTSD have dissociative disorders because when they have a survival brain, as a child, they don't have a learning brain. We, we learn how to survive instead of how to enjoy because that, there's no room for that. So when I use cannabis, I have more of a learning brain rather than a survivor's brain. I can sit down. I can laugh instead of looking around and seeing if, you know, there's an escape route just in case something goes wrong. You know, socially, if I don't, you know, if I use whole plant matter and an indica, I, I'm usually okay. If I do a dab and it's a sativa, I'm not going to be okay in public. That is not a good thing for me. And that's not a good thing for a lot of people with PTSD. Because we have hypervigilance and anxiety. So, you know, sure. the fine line between eating a 10 milligram sativa in the morning instead of having a coffee and getting to work as opposed to like a sativa glob that someone, sure. you know, you know, surprise dabbed you with, you know, and I, I that's happened to me and people tend to know on the top, you know, in, in their consciousness that I have PTSD, but once in a while, I run into someone who doesn't understand that, gives me a sativa dab or sativa this or that, and it's, it's not a good scene, <laughs> you know, and I end up just leaving or, you know, I, I hide because it's not good for me in that way, you know, but Indica's have really helped me sort of sedate the clanging of, you know, interruptive thoughts. We have a lot of invasive thoughts and flashbacks and panic. And when I have an Indica, I'm able to, you know, really, you know, get past that and, and be able to hang out with people, which is really important because uh, people with PTSD are oftentimes 50-50 divided with their fear of being hurt and their need to depend on people and, and wanting to be close and feel safe. And, you know, it's a, it's a really hard balance every day. So 
cannabis helps me in a lot of ways, mostly to sleep through the night because we also get a lot of insomnia, invasive thoughts, the tendency to have a little bit more free reign when you aren't conscious and, and not aware of the need to protect yourself. So a lot of times it's really hard to sleep through the night. So cannabis, edible or tincture really helps me get the rest that I really need. It's really important to respect your medicine for whatever reason you're using it for and, and to know what works for you and what doesn't. And, and that was some really enlightening and important information that you shared with us. We have to take a quick break right now to give some love to our sponsors, but we'll be right back with some more discussion with Diane Fornbacher and then the Ask Kyle segment. We'll be right back. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Grow Show on Cannabis Radio. We're talking with Diane Fornbacher. She's been uh, living with complex PTSD for, for her entire life, and she's been speaking out and sharing her experiences for much of that life. That brings me to my next question, Diane. What makes you fight so hard? What actually inspired you to become such an outspoken advocate for the medical use of cannabis? Well, when I was in college, I got arrested for pot, and it really pissed me off because it was the only thing helping me hold on. You know, I was suicidal, and when I got arrested for smoking pot on campus, they threw the book at me. Aside from putting me in straight prison, they, you know, I got moral turpitude, which I don't know what the hell that means, but I think it's like a definition from the 1850s, which means not in good moral standing. (laughs) Morals, uh, which were antiquated at the time anyway. Burn the witch. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't, you know, they gave me, you know, possession and drug law and cosmetics act, which is usually, you know, for people with heroin and needles and, you know, drug Drug reform is a whole other bag with that work with regard to that, but I do believe they deserve the rights to 
you know, so they did everything to me aside from putting me in jail. I had a six-month suspension. I didn't even have a license. I wasn't even in a car. So when I applied for a license, I had to pay a reinstatement fee. I paid a fine. You know, I had a six-month suspension. So I had to, like, apply, pay, wait six months. And, you know, I wasn't allowed to work with children or in healthcare. And that really made me mad because when I was getting booked and they were taking my fingerprints, they said, you don't look like the kind that does that stuff. And I wonder what the hell that even meant because... I mean, do they want me hanging from a tree and, like, have to cut me down dead because I killed myself, or do they want me to smoke pot and get better? You know, so it was obvious to me that they didn't know what they were talking about or something else was wrong. And I discovered later that I was arrested in Anslinger's hometown, who was a guy who originally made pot illegal in the 1930s, and that sort of really right. blew me away. So, you know, that's where my father's family's from, you know, and I, I was just stupefied when I realized that's why. That's why they treated us so badly when it was rather helpful and yet innocuous. So, you know, wouldn't overdose. And when I was in foster care, I was on a lot of pharmaceutical drugs. I'd never been on in my life until in foster care. And they did not help me. They created other problems for me. So that's why I fight so hard. I fight so hard because I've met so many people that's benefited who would otherwise be dead. I fight for the people that I testify with to get PTSD listed in various states that I've lived in because I look around the room and I think to myself, and it's really hard. Those hearings are super hard for PTSD people to sit with together and have to recount all these horrible things. Mm. But I look around and I think to myself, how many of these people would be dead if it hadn't been for cannabis? That's why I fight. Diane, I, 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 Hope I know that everybody can hear your anger and the emotion that you feel from this and, and that you're still as motivated as ever. This next question, it might be even a little bit more emotional, but I, but I got to ask you, you know, your current home state of Colorado just denied the addition of PTSD to the medical marijuana list of qualifying conditions. How do you feel about that ruling and is there anything being done to challenge the Colorado Health Board's decision? Well, there are people who are always motivated and really trying, and I have to give cannabis patients the lion's lot of credit because they coordinate a lot of people to be together as well as Drug Policy Alliance. And they declined PTSD. I think, you know, forgive me, Colorado, if I'm wrong on this, but I think it was the fifth time they declined PTSD as a qualifying condition, which is, you know, you want to know how I feel about that. I think it's really screwed up because a lot of these people are shut-ins and on fixed incomes because they are so scared, even in their own homes, but it's the only place they feel marginally safe. And they're on fixed incomes. And if they got medical, you know, reprieve and, and legal med cards, which are called red cards here, they wouldn't have to pay as much and they could get stronger amounts of cannabis and have more plants. But because it's only recreation with this juncture, and that's why they worry that a lot of medical patients are going to get left out in the cold with legalization. You know, I moved here from New Jersey last year, and even though New Jersey doesn't have PTSD as a qualifying condition, and they're working on it too, never, never going to stop working on it. It, it was hard because, you know, Yes, freedom's priceless. Yes, I buy recreational, you know, cannabis on the market. Yes, we marginally have kind of good plants because we haven't come to consult for free in our grow at our house yet. But it really makes me angry because a lot of people, you know, as I said before, are on these fixed incomes and they're scared to leave their houses and have a hard time even just going to like a, one appointment, you know, or let alone going to work. And this, the red card, you know, having a qualifying condition under the medical law would really cut away the price. You know, taxes. Yeah. Well, this has been really enlightening. I know that there's somebody out there that we're helping with this discussion. 
we're getting pretty close to the end here. And, you know, many of those that have PTSD are known to isolate, you know, and making cannabis advocates the champions of those who might be too fearful to speak out for themselves. For those who may feel like they're stuck at home or have nothing to contribute, what can they do to further the movement towards legalization and normalization? Well, first and foremost, to concentrate on getting better themselves. I mean, I sincerely think that, you know, for me, it's it's really been enlightening and it's really helped me push myself out there in order to help. But there are times where I have forgotten to take care of myself and, you know, people with PTSD don't have as much to give on a consistent basis. We need a lot of breaks and we need a lot of time to just fill the bucket back up of self, you know. And so I encourage people with PTSD who want to help to definitely write letters, definitely communicate, definitely do what you can, testify if you can. Pre-written testimony is always a great thing. If you can't make it, a lot of times in, at state houses or even here in your health departments, they will take pre-submitted letters for impact. So you don't always have to be there in person. It's really hard. I, I had a hard time when we did testimony last time. I was I was not okay for the rest of the day, and I, I slept for a really long time after that. It took a lot of energy. So there are different ways to support that. And at Ladybug, we take first-person account testimonies, and we do protect names. If, if somebody wants to submit something, they like to tell a story, but they don't feel comfortable using their name, or people have had stalkers or abusers who are still looking for them that they're hidden from. You know, we do protect pseudonyms. But I have found that, you know, testifying as a witness, whether it's in story form or testimony, pre-submission forms is a really powerful thing. And it is a safer way for people who don't feel comfortable doing so in public, in person. Diane, you're such a wonderful inspiration for everybody out there. And I consider you one of my dearest, oldest friends. Unfortunately, we're out of time. So we have to take our second break for our sponsors to get in their word. And then we'll be right back with Ask Kyle. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at karcherinsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The State of Cannabis. 
oh my god, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of, of many of those things, and, and find ourselves in, in a, a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views, and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody, to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every day I get questions from people out there who are listening to the show, and there's nothing I love more than helping individuals get more from their gardens. So here's a few questions from our followers that sparked my interest this week. From SeaTac Loves Canna, I've read the sativas are uplifting, but they make me super paranoid. What should I try? Well, you probably should stay away from the sativas and try some indicas. Sativas are definitely known to stimulate the imagination and the cerebral part of your brain. Indicas are more of a body buzz and more relaxing and probably better for people who tend to get paranoid on cannabis. So I would just stay away from sativa dominance and sativa dominant hybrids and you'll probably be okay. Next question from Mama Tried Weeds. What's the best medium for smoking? A bong, pipe, joint, or some sort of vaporizer? That's a good question. Personally, I like to smoke out of some kind of a water pipe. It's more healthful. The water not only removes particulates from the smoke that don't, don't end up in your lungs, but it also actually cools the smoke, making it a more healthful way to imbibe. You know, joints are fine on the road. I, I smoke out of all of the above-mentioned apparatus. The one that I don't typically use myself is a vaporizer, even though it is, without a doubt, the most healthful way to smoke because it is actually not smoking. You're just inhaling the vapor, and it is basically devoid of any carcinogenic effects. So for anybody who has any type of compromised immune system or is ill in any way, vaporizing is probably or most certainly the best way to consume cannabis in a a smoking form other than ingesting edibles. From Green Journey Zero One, how many years does it take to create a viable strain? I'm assuming by what you mean by a viable strain is something that is stable that you would want to pass along to other people. And, you know, this depends on whether you're talking about clone only or whether you're talking about a new strain that is going to be distributed in seed form. Now, for example, strawberry cough is a clone only strain that was a first time cross by a novice breeder. And as everybody knows, strawberry cough is one of the most stable, wonderful new varieties to hit the market in the last 20 years. And that was just a first time cross. But when it comes to creating a seed strain that is stable, it does take several generations, typically three to five generations before you can see a stable phenotype that doesn't vary too much across many, many plants. Yeah, I would say, I would say you know, it, it, it takes a good year to create a, a stable seed strain, one to two years for sure. We have another question here from Raining Emerald Nugs. Have you ever used an out-of-the-box grow closet? Would they be good for someone just looking to grow a few plants for themselves? 
Have I ever used one? No. I'm usually a self-starter. I kind of like to build things myself. But I will recommend that these grow box closets have really come a long way from just being a stealth unit meant to hide what we were doing, which they did very, very well. But now they're actually very practical and they include very efficient watering methods and airflow techniques. And it is a really good idea for somebody who doesn't have a lot of space and who doesn't want to build out a room with electrical and cooling and all the uh, various accessories that you need for a good grow. So yes, look into the grow closets. There are a lot of good ones on the market right now. Unfortunately, we are out of time, and I would like to thank our guest, Diane Fornbacher, for sharing all this information and dedicating your life, making life better for others out there. Would you please mention a website or email, how people can get a hold of you on social media? Well, they can go to ladybud with a D.com. Uh, don't go to ladybud. That's a children's magazine. So ladybud <laughs> is in cannabisbud.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and name ladybud mag on Twitter and Instagram. So, you know, you can get a hold of me all of those ways. Great. Well, I want to thank the producers for making the show possible. Please make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media, upcoming events that I'll be attending, and subscribe to my newsletter. You can find new episodes of The Grow Show by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman, and as always, please stay lifted. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.